Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started paul is the founder ceo at the wall printer usa which creates printers to print digital images on any vertical surface indoors or outdoors they are changing how wall murals are painted now and in the future In the interview Paul shares his decades long journey in business and marketing and how that led him to being the CEO of the wall printer. We also talk about the importance of relationships and becoming a trusted resource for people we do business with. Hi Paul and welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Good morning Sumit or good afternoon. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today as well. And to begin with, can you start by sharing a little bit of who you are and what do you do? Well, I won't go back and bore your audience with Paul was born at a very young age uh, because I'm no longer young. But after 70 years, having started in New York, I'm now in Wilmington, North Carolina, as president, CEO, and founder of the Wall Printer. We are a vertical printing manufacturer that provides commercial quality printing machines. for our customers to get into business themselves we promote entrepreneurship we encourage people to realize their hopes and dreams through something that they might be passionate about and if that passion aligns with the products that we happen to have and offer that's what I'm doing today and but it's been a journey that's had its peaks and valleys and we can talk more about that as you and your audience wish to hear but suffice to say that it's been an exciting ride and I'm enjoying a level of success now and I certainly enjoy sharing it with people and letting them take away whatever they might thank you paul for sharing that and before we jump into that can you share a bit of of your back story and how did you get to like the wall printer which i was reading about it it's quite unique as a product or as an idea so can you share a bit of the story which led you to there Sure. And again, without going back too far, I've owned started many businesses over the years. 
Uh, I'm pretty much product and service agnostic. And what I mean by that is the hats I wear best that I found early on in my life and career following education that led me into actually teaching was my first job. But then I very quickly went into the business of retail. I opened and established and built a few different sporting goods stores in New York. And following that success and exit, I went to work for a company and that kind of back and forth, trying to figure out what I know and understanding how much I don't know. I would go to work for other companies and try to figure out different paths and different opportunities. And the hats that I learned I wore best were those of sales, marketing, business development, customer relationships. That's what I really enjoyed. And that goes back to actually the reason why I started teaching and stopped teaching after three years, because I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed the students and I was a high school mathematics teacher, but I didn't like all the administrative work. I didn't like dealing with the parents and the school system and a lot of the administrative activities that were associated beyond the actual classroom and student engagement. And so I had coincidental to that career choice. I had opened up a tennis shop because that's what my background was. I was captain of the college tennis team where I went to school and I strung tennis rackets. I made some good money during college doing that for people. And then I made it into a business after college with a friend and a partner who eventually I sold my business to after we grew it to three stores. But then I went to this flip-flop working for a company, building as much knowledge as I could about a particular path and then going out and trying to do something on my own. And the past three decades, I'll fast forward now through restaurants and retail and software development and other businesses that I founded, some were successful financially. They were all learning experiences, whether they were financial successes or not. I learned something from each of those. And I'm not about to say that my life has been a trajectory, but not by any means. There's been its peaks, it's been its valleys, um, some very good peaks, some very low valleys. You know, like the old saying goes, it's not how many times you fall down, it's how many you get up. So I kept moving forward, learning from my experiences. And for the past three to four decades, actually about 35 years or so now, I found a niche in terms of helping companies outside of the United States that had products or services or technology that they wanted to introduce to the U.S. markets and articulate its value proposition to these markets better than they might from their place of origin. Um, and it had nothing to do with their capabilities or their intelligence or their marketing capabilities or the value of the products. It was just a question that sometimes American businesses and companies like to do business with American businesses and companies and people. So that started with a Russian company in the year 1990-2000, and it was a technology company. I worked for them for 12 years. They had wonderful audio-video communications technologies that I represented to businesses in the United States and product development companies. It was a wonderful relationship that lasted about 12, 13 years. We still trade holiday cards. Current politics aside, the Russian people are wonderful people, and I enjoyed the relationship but it ran its course. Actually, they started doing more business with China in their backyard as China came onto the world stage. And so I pretty much done everything I could for them. But I developed a type of a reputation for being able to take their products and helping them where they could not do it directly. And so after that, it was a kind of a whirlwind, I guess might be the right expression of companies and products that approached me. 
it was a, a baby bottle manufacturer from Austria, a self-service dog wash system from Australia, a Chinese headband headphone for children, a media technology from Israel. And all of these, I was working as a hired gun, which is what I call a commission salesperson, helping these companies find their audiences, helping them with either revenue, customer engagement, possibly partnerships, vendors, manufacturing resources here in the United States or Canada, and then just helping these companies grow in some way. But I always longed for doing it myself. I always found throughout my entire career things that I would do better. I'm sure most people think that way. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're not. But nevertheless, I like the fact that I was in control of something. So throughout that journey that I just described, I retired a couple of times. I made good money as a salesperson, but I really wanted to always have control of the product or create the product or service that would have some value. That would be a solution to a real world problem. Nobody should enter into any business unless you've actually got something that solves a problem that exists. You don't just make up a problem and come up with something to solve a fabricated issue. It has to be a real world problem. So with that said, I was looking around for what my next big thing might be. And I was approached by a company who's now a competitor of mine. It was a German company that had a very quality product. And they approached me just like all those other companies I described to help represent them here in the United States and help grow their vertical printing technology and machine, which was a kind of, I describe it as an inkjet printer on steroids. It is a vertical printing machine, which means that you can print on walls. It's a machine that will take any digital image, even an image that you take with your phone, but the image you take with your phone, the format does not enlarge too much. Looks good on your phone, looks good on a computer. When you share it with friends on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, it might look very good, but try to blow that up to a 10 foot by 20 foot mural and it's not going to look so good. So I found that uh, the technology was fascinating. They wanted me to once again be a salesman for them. I don't do that anymore at the time. And so the conversation broke down. But when I got off with them after several meetings, I said, you know, that's really cool technology. I've never seen anything like it before. This was a German company. No disrespect to anybody in your audience with German heritage. I drive a BMW. I cook with Henkel knives. I, I value a well-engineered product. But I've never believed that something because it says made in Germany or made in Austria um, or made in England should be worth more than what its value might be determined to be. And this product was a product that was selling at about $70,000 US dollars. And so, but I was curious about it because I had never seen anything about it. It wasn't the fact that I thought it was overpriced. I just never knew anything about this technology. So I did my homework. I did my due diligence, as you will, and I researched and I found that there were only five companies in the world, the German company included, four other companies that manufactured this type of product using the technology that could put artwork onto walls. And so I went through all of them and I looked at what their pluses and their minuses were. I looked at the companies. I looked at the opportunities. I looked at the quality of the product with in mind that I wanted to create business opportunities for other people who would adopt this innovative technology and create a business for themselves in their community. The wall printer is not a franchise. We don't take money from our customers in terms of royalties. All we do is we provide them with the equipment and the support and the training. We manufacture our own inks for the machines, which is a very important feature that you have inks that work in the machines. So I went ahead and I 
found the company that was actually the originator of this technology that preceded this German company, invented the technology, had many patents already on it. Some features I learned during my process of educating myself that I might do differently, like I've always done in my past, where I think I can do something once I learn about it, um, do something a little bit different. But again, always focused on the audience, focused on the people that I wanted to have create opportunities for themselves to be successful with this and what they would need to accomplish those dreams for themselves and their families, employees, whatever. And so I did engage with this one Chinese company where I was able to purchase and become a genuine partner of theirs. I actually have a co-inventor on several patents today, which is unusual for an American company to be a co-inventor with a Chinese company, but it speaks to the relationship that we forged with one another. And I made a serious investment in it. I own all rights to the product in North and South and Central America. Basically everything in the Western hemisphere is owned by the wall printer. And we service and support these customers on a regular basis. Fast forward three years, we have about 120 customers today. We sell about one to two new territories every week. Again, our goal is to create business opportunities for other people. The wall printer is just a means to an end. Um, it's something that I get passionate about. Uh, my wife, of course, when she hears that I'm looking at something to invest in and to create some kind of a business, rather than see what I'm talking about, when I call her into my home office and say, hey, honey, come take a look at this, invariably, rather than do that, she cuts up my credit cards and changes the passwords on my bank account because she thinks, oh, here we go again, Paul's going to invest in something crazy. But with the wall printer, she, which is my own trade name for this product, with this vertical printing technology, she saw it, she said, boy, I've never seen anything like it before, which is people's first reaction to it. And we were all in on this. And so now here we are three years later, 120 customers creating business opportunities for people. And that's been the journey up to this point. In fact, just yesterday, timing of this summit is interesting because just yesterday, the wall printer was awarded Coastal Entrepreneur of the Year for North Carolina. And it's an annual award that's presented to the business that people would most likely invest $100,000 in. That's what judges are charged. And there were several hundred applications and we were selected as the Coastal Entrepreneur of the Year and was awarded that yesterday at a big ceremony at the local university here. So anyway, that's my journey. Thank you for sharing that, Paul. That's a wonderful journey. And if I take you a little bit to the future, right, can you share what is your vision with, with what you're doing with the wall printer and also in the wider entrepreneurial community? Yeah, well, what? so I'm a mentor also at the local university. We have what's called here Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, acronym CIE, Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, which is associated with the local university. And what they do is they help other companies, uh, whether they be faculty, students at the school or local businesses or individuals that have an idea and they think that might be a business, they come to us and they look for support and guidance. And me, along with about 30 or 40 other mentors, as they call us, we go ahead and help these companies as we can and provide that guidance and support and direction to them and help them with either grants or just information. So that's, I enjoy doing that. And I do that regularly. I also lecture at the university once a year, usually on something related to sales and marketing to those students in the business track and entrepreneurship track, which they have a school for that here. And so, so that's what I'm doing on that end. For my business, as I mentioned, we have about 120 businesses that we've created over the past three years. My goal is to reach 1,000. 
That was the goal from the start, to reach 1,000 businesses throughout Canada, the United States. It might take about 10 years to do that. My my next big milestone is 250, when we could double what we've done up to this point, which I hope we will do within the next two years. We'll be at that 250 businesses that we put into place with other people realizing their dreams in their local communities, because we do provide exclusivity. Again, we're not a franchise, but we do allow people who raise their hands first to own their communities, whether it's a city, a county, a state, a country. Um, We'll go ahead and support their growth based on the investment they want to make in their own futures and in the machines that they need to be able to provide the services of wall printing. And we actually have floor printers now too, which is something we created since I came on board. We can print digital art onto any floor as well as on walls, indoors, outdoors, whatever. So that's the goal. The near-term goal is 250 is my next milestone. At that point, I'm more than likely, I'm 71 years old. I don't have a lot of these runs left in me. I'm very excited about this. I've built a team of about 15 people now. My wife and I don't have two-legged children. We have four-legged children. So there's nobody for me to leave this to. So hopefully my employees or an exit is in the future for the people who take this over and help it realize that goal of a 1,000 customers over the next yeah. five to 10 years. Yeah. But but in the short term, right, as you grow to 250, what do you think are the biggest challenges or pain points ahead for you? Well, it's just making people aware of the technology and the opportunity and the financial benefits of owning a wall printer and also understanding what the risks are for people who want to invest their, what I call time, talent, and treasure in something that's new, innovative. It takes a certain kind of a person and personality to be willing to enter into um, a product or service or whether it be software development, whether it be buying a retail store or opening up a plumbing business or becoming a lawyer or a doctor. You have to really be passionate about it on some level, whether it's whatever catches your eye, so to speak, but then yet being willing to invest your time, your treasure or your investment dollars into making it a success and marketing. And if you don't have those skills, enlisting the skills of others in your local community that can help you to realize those goals and dreams of success, however you might measure that. So those are my short-term goals is to continue to identify these people, continue to improve upon the products to make them less maintenance, be able to deliver results bigger, better, faster, and just make my customers successful. Yeah. And what do you see are some of the opportunities in the market or like which you can capitalize on as you grow? Well, there's no limit to walls that are out there. And one of the things that attracted me to this particular business is there are very limited ways that people put artwork on walls. So if your audience has the benefit of video, if they're looking at this, I mean, this is a wall printing behind me. This is Mm. five feet by eight feet on a concrete wall. My business is built on cinder block concrete. And so you don't need to have a smooth wall. It'll print on any surface at all, whether it be a wall board, like the walls behind you in your room, just standard walls in any room, or it's a rough texture like brick or wood or cinder block, like I have here at Concrete. It'll print across anything. It doesn't have to be smooth. It just has to be a wall. And, and so you could put vinyl stickers on some surfaces, but vinyl sticker doesn't go good outdoors or on rough textured surfaces. You could do wallpaper. You could have an artist hand paint something. We are not trying to take the food off the table of artists. In fact, the exact opposite is true with this technology, which made it interesting to me because it, what it does is it helps artists do what they do best, which is create their art. Mm. Most people are doing that digitally these days before they actually take brush to paint to a wall 
um, they will go ahead and create that image and see what it looks like on some kind of a digital tablet or computer screen today. And now we can take that digital image, download it onto a USB stick, put it into our printer, and quickly and reliably print that image on a wall. This image here, which is five feet by eight feet in my office, um, my staff wasn't nice enough to give me a window in my office, so I had to wall paint one. And so that's 40 square feet. That took our printers two hours to print that. It would take an artist at least two days to do this, and they would not get the clarity that you get from what our wall printer can deliver. And a wall printer can deliver text, like the signage, or putting printing menus on a glass window of a restaurant. It'll do all that. The wall printer could print, the floor printer rather, can print personalized parking spaces or logos on a basketball court or in a foyer of somebody's home, a nice mosaic tile floor print. So it'll do all of that, and it'll do it quickly and reliably. So, uh, you know, identifying the market is not difficult. Um, we get 150 inquiries a day. Uh, granted, most of those, 140 of those 150, uh, see that it's not the $100 desktop printer, but it's a $30,000 machine, which is what our price point is, versus the German $70,000. And we do things that printer doesn't do, like we can print with white ink, which is something unique to our printers. Very important feature. Don't want to get into the technology of it right now, but it means that our prints will print beautifully on glass or dark surfaces, whereas mm -hmm. that German printer will not. And so, so again, we're looking for people who understand the value. And out of those 150 inquiries, I get every single day from our social media referrals website, 140 of them go away because they don't have $30,000 to invest in something but they think it's cool. Maybe we'll get a referral out of them to somebody else, or maybe they want a wall printing on a, in their home or their restaurant or their school or their doctor's office. Um, so those are all the markets for our products. And so our customers, the people who purchase a wall printing machine, there's no limit to the audiences who want art on walls. It's just a question of who do they want to market to? Yeah. And then they might be an existing business submit. They might be a business that's already painting or doing remodeling, or graphics mm -hmm. design, or photography, and they have a customer base already, and now they have something else to sell them beyond the initial services they provide. When they come in and paint the walls, they find yeah. out that one of the children really is into action figures, and they want to put something, a Superman on the wall in their bedroom. You can do that with a wall printer and then sell them something else. So yeah, those are the markets. Those are the audiences for our customers. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And as you shared earlier about your career in marketing and sales, right? What are some of those lessons that that you have learned, right? Which is very important for entrepreneurs because I see a lot of entrepreneurs struggling with, with sales while being very good with the product or technology. So what are some of those key lessons that you have learned from your long career? Well, one of the things that I've learned and maybe the most important thing is it's all about relationships. I don't care whether you're selling wall printers or art or plumbing supplies, or you're an attorney, or an electrician, or you're selling cars. It doesn't make any difference. It's the relationships you build with your audience. You may have something that is the same as somebody else. It may have features that are different, but you need to be able to articulate the value that you're bringing to that customer. And sometimes what you bring is not what the customer wants. You must listen to your customer. One of the things I learned early on is selling is not necessarily about talking, but it's about listening. It's the same thing today in the world of online comments and reviews. 
and everything else. It's important to see what people are writing, seeing what they're saying, what their experiences are. And sometimes your product doesn't fit. But if you can become a trusted resource to person, and that's possibly the best lesson I've learned over the years, is you may not be able to provide what they want once you listen and learn more about them and what their needs are and what the opportunities they're looking for or what the solution to their problem might be. If it's not what you offer, be a trusted resource. Maybe you know somebody who you could refer them to, or you can go ahead and and somebody who should be talking to this person when you can't provide what they need. That's so important. I guess another trite expression that I bring up for something like this, be nice to the people you see on the way up because they're the same people you're going to see on the way down. Now, hoping nobody has to go down that ladder of success, but invariably you will at some point. And so it's important just to build relationships, build them honestly, build them openly. Don't look for the short-term sale because it's the long-term success that really is meaningful. And I tell that to my customers today. You know, I have in Florida, for example, in the United States, we have more than 10 different businesses doing wall printing. Well, most of them just have one machine. Sometimes you'll walk into a school or somebody's home and they want artwork put on several walls. Well, you bring in the help of another wall printer. You work out a financial arrangement between the two of you that makes sense for both of you to work together. I always believe in cooperation versus competition because in the long run, the short-term buck or dollar, again, I apologize not knowing your currency, but whatever that short-term revenue might be is not nearly what the opportunity is in the long run. Thank you for sharing those pieces of wisdom about relationships and about like focusing on the long term. A follow-up question would be, how do you balance that with short-term targets or short-term goals or milestones that you have set up for yourself, right? And even for your sales team, how what have you learned around, around that balance so that you can be driven or you can lead a process towards a particular milestone while at the same time being the trusted resource, being the focus on the relationship and the long term? Well, first and foremost, you pray a lot. You you hope that what you're doing does have that goal, not only for yourself, but for your employees, for your customers, for your partners, for your vendors. So you pray that what you're doing is actually what will become successful. But you also mentioned the team. The team is very important. You have to have a team. People ask me all the time, what does it, be, what does it mean to be a great leader? I'm not going to say that I am, but I will say that one of the attributes of a great leader is somebody who's smart enough to hire the best qualified people to do the jobs that are needed, but then wise enough to back off and just let them do it. I, like most people who are the owners and who take in what they built or what they're trying to accomplish, you have a tendency to micromanage and I do it all the time also. But at the same time, if you build a good team and you have good, reliable people who have the same goals that you do to make your customers successful, to make a better life for themselves and for their families to help realize their dreams, then it comes together for everybody's benefit. And so that's, you know, that's all I could say about leadership, really. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And like, as you're doing this, as you're scaling the wall printer, what gives you the most gratitude at the end of the day? Going into work in the morning and then going home at night. Mm. (laughs) It's just the opportunities that we present to other people and then the benefits we get from our success that allows me to balance Mm. work-life It's very important to have interests outside of work. No matter how successful or no matter how dedicated you are to a business, you have to have outside interests to balance your life and to find your passion in and out of your work. 
you know, sure, people will say, if you really love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. But you have to love what you're doing. That is part of your work and also part of your life. I have my dogs, I play tennis, I swim. It gives me a lot of gratification that my employees are able to do the same types of things in their own lives. And so that's, I think, you know, what I try to accomplish on a daily basis. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, for sharing this, this huge spectrum of experience and wisdom from it that you shared. And obviously about the wall printer, right? So before we end up, if anybody who is listening who might be wanting to know more about what you are up to or wanting to find a way to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do so? So Sumit, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk with you and your audience. I don't really look at these opportunities that you've given me as a sales pitch for the wall printer. Certainly, if somebody heard something there and they say, I'd like to learn more about that, they can go to thewallprinter.com, which is our website, and they could fill out a form on the contact page, and we'd be happy to send information and talk with them about this if it aligns with their own goals and dreams and financial investment opportunity and capabilities. But I'm always happy to connect with people, and LinkedIn is a good way to do that. My LinkedIn profile, they, people could find me just by searching for Paul Barron, even though there may be many Paul Barons, I'm sure they'll figure out which one is me based on this conversation um, and my, again, role with the wall printer, my current venture. And so I'm happy to connect with people if they have a story to share or they want to get something out of a conversation with me. I'm always happy to talk with people. Wonderful. Thank you, Paul, for sharing everything that you shared and for doing what you're doing. And as we end, I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead. So you met to you as well. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.